Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. So, Walt, I got a question for you. If you are, let's put you in a homeowner's shoes here right now. If you are getting ready yep. to maybe build an ADU up back or or do an addition or something like that, do you run it? Where would you start looking for a WRB weather resistant barrier to do your house with? Um, my first conversation is going to be with my contractor. And the reason being is a contractor may have a system that they just enjoy using, they're comfortable using, or their team's already set up to use. Um, and then I would go back and research that product and make sure that, you know what, it sounded like it was a, a reasonable product uh, to me as well. Um, I find that a lot of uh, failures in these uh, projects come because the homeowner's like, oh, you know what? I researched this, uh, and I really like this product. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B., your one-stop shop for home improvement, interior design, and construction. Hey, Caroline, how are you today? Hello, everybody. So excited for our guest today. He's always My a- brother. Yeah. From another mother, Walt Tamala, TNT General Contracting, and a guy that I st- share the stage with plenty of time educating contractors. Welcome back to Around the House, my brother. Eric Caroline, thanks so much. I appreciate being here and uh, you having me back on. This is always fun, right, Caroline? I love his expertise and I love his building science experience. So to me, it's like always a learning experience, Walt. So thanks. Oh, no, thank you. No, I, I love talking about this stuff. And, and you know how important it is uh, while we're out there. We, we see so many good things that are being done and so many bad things. And, you know, I chalk off half the bad things to people just not knowing how to do it right. So the more we're having these conversations, the better off our, our whole industry is. Absolutely. And today I want to talk about house wraps or what other people are in, in the industry call weather resistant barriers. And the difference is, and this is not by any means any kind of a sponsor-influenced segment. This is something that we're going to, there are no sacred cows here. We're going to talk about the differences between brands and stuff out there that we see from our perspective. So that we don't have anybody sitting in here going, hey, pitch us, do this, which is kind of the basis of around the house anyway. But uh, we're just going to have an honest conversation. That's why we're not bringing in a spokesperson from a, a company right now to talk about it. We're bringing in an expert that teaches us stuff for many different brands. Yeah, I mean, there are so many different brands that are out there, so many different options. Um, Eric, I I don't know about you guys in in your uh, neck of the woods in the country here. I I know we're on uh, opposite coasts. And Caroline, we share the same coast, but we're still a few hours away from each other. Um, But there's so many different opportunities, whether you're buying from a a big box store or if you're buying from your local lumberyard to – um, you know, a, a Rockies or, or anything. It's like, you know, well, which one should I be using and why? And with today's day and age, one of the big answers is the system that you can actually get. 
right? What's available where you're at? And, and do they sell the whole package? Not just a roll. Do they sell the tape? Do they sell the fasteners? Do they sell the adhesives? Everything that go along with it, because just that supply chain for the last two years has really shrunk uh, for a lot of areas. And and when we're talking about house wraps too, like so we can think about it as a whole project. If somebody were to build, right, to start a new build, but then we also have the issue of like I just did, we're replacing a window, we're replacing a door, we're putting in something, we're changing a part of the house. So do you stay consistent with? the original house wrap you had, like for my, you know, my home, I had a felt paper, right? I didn't have a Tyvek. Or if you have Tyvek, do you go to another type of system? So I'd love to get your take on that. Like when you open up a big can of worms at the house, what, do you stay with what you consistently have or do you change it? Yeah, I find that, um, you know, being in Massachusetts, uh, probably 80%, 75 to 80% of my work is remodeling and we're dealing with old housing inventory. Um, so a lot of the times when we rip off that exterior cladding, you know, we don't know what to expect, what we're going to find. If it's just, um, tar paper, uh, if it was some rosin paper, um, uh, if there's nothing there, because at that point in time, they're here like, Hey, let the air flow through the house. It, <laughs> houses need to breathe. Let you it know? breathe. <laughs> um, yes, let it breathe. I can't tell you how many times we've had that conversation, oh, yeah. uh, here in New England, but I find that, um, my go-to is always, uh, making sure that that door, that window is sealed properly to the sheathing mm-hmm. so that you're going direct to the plywood, the wood, uh, the tongue and groove, whatever it is. Make sure that it's sealed tight to that first. And then if you had felt paper, integrate uh, uh, another WRB, whether it is a, a wrap, because uh, that's probably the easiest and the most accessible to, to folks. Um, or if they have a peel and stick product, um, that they could use even an ice and water. I see a lot of folks that will just grab some ice and water. That's also used for roofing Mm -hmm. to seal whatever sheathing has been exposed and then have their old felt paper sit over the top of that. Um, the big thing when it comes to that is your old stuff should always overlap the new stuff. So it watersheds properly. And then anything that could be coming from above, which is hitting your old, uh, WRB, your, your felt paper in your, uh, your situation Mm -hmm then rolls on top of what you put down new and sheds off onto the ground. Uh, that way, again, that water has no way of getting behind it and back into the building. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, Walt, you see out there, and especially out here on the West Coast where I'm at, this is something that in the Pacific Northwest where I'm located ends up being a huge problem. We have a lot of six-story multi-use residential slash you know commercial buildings out there or even – condo units that are three or four stories high, but they start framing here in the rainy season in October. And by the time they get it framed out, it's December and they're starting to throw the roof on and all the OSB or plywood (laughs) on the outside of that is black. And then I drive by the next week and they've got guys out there on lifts wrapping around, you know, whatever brand house wrap, it could be Tyvek. It could be a, uh, Home Depot or Lowe's branded product or or any of the other dozen companies out there. And I always shake my head and go, wow, we are trapping all of that quote unquote junk that is mold, mildew or whatever contaminations on the outside of that right inside the building, inside the living area. Uh, you, you know what that terminology is called, right? You can't see it from my house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> Uh, Once it's covered, it's like, no, that WRB is doing its job. But do you really want to cover something that has been sitting for that long? Even though the manufacturer says, hey, it has a 30 or 60 day exposure ratio, 
that's to UVs and everything else. That's not to the moisture comp, uh, you know, climate and everything else. And then if you have a really rainy season like you guys do, I mean, come on, you need to have a WRB that's probably integrated like the zip system, you know, so that as it's being installed, it's being watertight and waterproofed at the same point in time. Yeah. Um, other areas, if you don't have that kind of moisture, um, you can get away with using, you know, the regular wraps and everything else. And if you're in sunny California uh, where, you know, you're down in San Diego, you're not getting a ton of rain, then go right ahead. You know, use your Tyvek, your Typars. Um, you know, there's so many different wraps and whatever ones are accessible to you, go ahead. But you know what? Don't let the product sit there and, and test it to see if, oh, did it last 190 days, 100, you know, 280 days? I mean, come on. We got to use a little built Ew. Do you do that with your milk in the fridge? That's what I always say. Do you do that with your milk Gross. in the fridge? Do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you go, hey, that's 10 days past its use by date. Wonder how good this is and pour it across your Wheaties in the morning. No, you don't. Don't do it with your house wrap either. Well, you know, it was interesting. Um, I have contractors working on my house and, the, and they were telling Eric and I had Eric on speaker that even the plywood now, they literally got a little bit of moisture and some rain and the plywood started to delaminate and sort of come apart. So the glues and things that they're using, whether it's because they're, yeah. you know, what we call a greener or I mean, maybe they're using less of it. Maybe the product manufacturing isn't so great anymore because of, you know, quality control, who knows. But they said that even in the Northeast with a little bit of rain, these things are starting to come apart. So I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. But, you know, it's. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that as well. And, and not necessarily on on our own projects, because obviously, you know, we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's and, and weather tightening right away. But we've definitely seen it. Um, some of the feedback that I've got, Caroline, is that, um, due to outsourcing and, you know, the lack of a lot of the resins in, uh, in mm-hmm. the industry right now, um, they've substituted and, you know, they did testing that, you know, they're trying to do their best to make sure that what they're putting out was consistent with their original products. But a lot of these resins and everything else just aren't holding up or aren't testing out the way they thought they were going to, but they had to do something to keep Production, pushing product right. out there. Yep. Yeah. You, you got to, you know, there was, there was so much demand for it. Um, look at what the cost of plywood went up to. I mean, in our area, we're paying up to $80 a sheet for half inch plywood. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. All these TikToks and, and everything else about, you know, they'll trade you a Corvette for a sheet of plywood. You know, <laughs> they I weren't just, wrong. No, no, it's crazy. So, so I get it to a point, um, but that means we've got to do our due diligence as the installers and the contractors to make sure, you know, we're being even more careful and cautious and that install goes smooth. And we're taking care of and covering that product as soon as possible. So it's not exposed to the elements and everything else. So, Walt, I got a question for you. If you are, let's put you in a homeowner's shoes here right now. If you are getting ready yeah. to maybe build an ADU up back or, or do an addition or something like that, do you run in, where would you start looking for a WRB weather resistant barrier to do your house with? Um, my first conversation is going to be with my contractor. And the reason being is a contractor may have a system that they just enjoy using, they're comfortable using, or their team's already set up to use. Um, and then I would go back and research that product and make sure that, you know what, it sounded like it was a, a reasonable product uh, to me as well. Um, I find that a lot of uh, failures in these uh, projects come because the homeowner's like, oh, you know what, I researched this. Uh, and I really like this product. And the builder's like, yeah, I've heard of that product. I don't use it. I use this instead. But yeah, if that's what you want, I'll use it. No problem. Yeah. Um, I got a great example of a very good friend of mine who's the national rep for 
uh, a product um, worldwide um, that uh, you know he reps here in the U.S. and he did an, uh, a build out uh, six years ago, and now they're adding on to it. And um, he just tore the siding off himself with his kids. They wanted to do a nice summer project because he was around uh, in the past. He was traveling a lot. And uh, back when he did it, he asked for blue skin. Mm-hmm. So as he's tearing apart this build out, you know, the front of the building was all done in blue skin. But the other three sides after he started travel were all done with tie power. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like, why would they do mm-hmm. this? And I'm like, well, blue skin was new to the market. And the builder and his team probably just didn't know how to use it. Yeah. Right. And, and they struggled to make it look good and, and to apply it properly. So the minute that the front was done and they ran out of the materials that they, they had there, they just ordered Tybar. Yep. Now, that probably would have been fine if they went through and you now have a completely sealed WRB with blue skin. Right. Yep. And now the Tybar, they rolled it out. They never taped any of the seams. Oh. They didn't make it an air barrier. They didn't do anything to integrate it into the other system. And you know what? Those two products actually can be integrated to a point because acrylic bases and such as far as the tapes go. But it's like, what if they weren't compatible? One could eat the other product up. So yeah, I think it's really, really important to, to figure out what your contractor uses and then make sure that they're comfortable using whatever product you may have researched that you felt is a better product. So make sure you, you find that contractor that you're comfortable working with and that is listening to you. You, you both know so much about zip systems. And so like a lot of our audience may not. So explain to them over the years, how this has changed, right? How we had, let's say OSB, MDF, plywood with a felt barrier. And now we've gone to these zip systems and what they are and how they protect the homeowner. Eric, you want to jump yeah, on that? I can jump on that me? one. So, you know, it's, it used to be, you know, in my, in the seventies, you would see just as new as that, you'd see a lot of just people, out there, they'd frame the house up. They'd literally tack that uh, staple on that uh, felt paper, which is just roofing felt right on the studs, put the T111 right along that. And all of a sudden you're good to go and you're cruising, you're caulking it in, you're painting it. And there you go. And then you started seeing house wraps come in, you know, which was kind of the next thing. And you saw like the DuPonts, the Tyvex, you know, that kind of stuff that came in. And, you'd see it just get stapled around, but it wasn't really, you didn't see the tapes being used by most of the contractors. Mm-hmm. It was just a, okay, we plastic got the house wrap, wrap up. Right. And then a lo- yeah. and they had a lot of problems because some of those plastic wraps weren't breathable. They went with just a solid plastic at first. Remember it wasn't perforated. And then they had all this sweating and mold. And you were just like mm-hmm. in a solid plastic fishbowl. And then they said, oopsie, <laughs> we need to have some breathability. So then they went to more vapor permeable substances. I mean, there was a time when I remember they were teaching to take just sheets of plastic on the inside of the house oh. and staple oh. it up remember that? before you put the drywall up for energy efficiency. Yes. And I remember sitting in the class going, really? Is that what we're doing? Where, where does the vapor barrier belong? And is that the same thing as a WRB? No. no, that's a whole other topic, right? <laughs> yeah. Because that's exactly what you're talking about, Eric, is an interior vapor barrier. And it's like, I still have code arguments with code enforcement officials up here that an interior vapor barrier is not so a good bad. idea. Yeah. Uh, so we actually had to do classes on that. Um, we do a vapor open, so I do no vapor barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, So just for the people listening out there, only one vapor barrier on a house, no matter where it is, on the interior or the exterior, you can only have one. Otherwise, you're going to trap moisture. And that's a mold sandwich yeah. with two pieces of vapor barrier on either side. 
You better believe no, I'm it. in business. A WRB, <laughs> yeah, a WRB or an air barrier, you can have multiple layers if you want to uh, because they're permeable. They allow air and moisture to pass through it um, so that you're never going to trap it and cause that, that mold problem. Amen. I mean, that's it. And if you do the double vapor barrier, that's money for Caroline. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm coming in with mold testing and you're going to yep. fail. You're going to have mold in your and walls. And one thing, Walt, that I've seen, you know, and of course we do, we have continued to evolve and now you're getting into the zip system. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I was running into stuff. And this is by no means a knock on Tyvek, but I would see in the Pacific Northwest a lot of cedar shingles and things like that. People would put the Tyvek up. We'd go in and do a remodel and you tear it off and you're like, wow, what shredded yeah. this WRB behind it? And you'd see yeah. that and, with the new products. And there's, there's so many different chemicals that are in products. And, and for your uh, exact um, example there, uh, all the coastal areas where you're using cedar shakes or, or the required, uh, when they're dipped, a lot of the oils, the resins and everything else that uh, come out of the cedar will actually eat a wrap. Really? That's um, interesting. And Tyvek happens to be one of the best, the highest perm rating um, house wraps out there. Uh, I, I, I like the product. I've used it for many, many years. But anytime I had cedar shakes that were being direct applied, uh, a lot of folks thought it was the nail or the corrosion uh, uh, to the galvanization of the nails. But it is actually uh, the resins and everything else in the cedar that then starts to tear. That's that incredible because I have so, a cedar house. So yeah. I find it I've always and I'm bad because I've always used felt. My whole house has been it. But I've also do flashing and all kinds of milled aluminum and, you know, things like that. The extra things that people don't do. But yeah, that's interesting. I'm yeah. glad I never. And, <laughs> yeah, and, it, and, it, Caroline, and it's not the that. nails because I mean, you, when you pull that off, and it looks like it's just been sitting out in the weather for twenty years. <laughs> right. It's shredded. It looks like yeah. an old tarp that sat outside for two decades. It really looks like it was on the outside of the building huh. instead of behind the the, yeah. the siding. And uh, Caroline, you brought up a great point. Felt is a, a fantastic product to put underneath it because of the oil base and and just how durable that product mm -hmm. is that it resists all of the resins that are then in that cedar shake. Yeah, that's what I um, use. So that's, that's a great a WRB for behind it. Or you're usually doubling up your WRB. Uh, that way one's taking a beating and, and absorbing all those, and the and one it, behind it is then protecting uh, the structure. Yeah. But then you start getting into, okay, you've got zip system and some of these other pieces out here. And, and you know, I like... DuPont, I like Zip. These are all great, you know, Huber, great people out there. But now you've got products now where it's built into the, into the plywood, into the sheathing system, which is another whole different way of doing it. Yeah. And as all, all those Huber guys will tell you and our folks will tell you is, is, is that coating is impregnated into the skin of that OSB. Um, and I know there's been so many tests and so many controversial uh, discussions about over penetration with a nail and how, mu how much moisture then gets into that OSB uh, because overdriven nails can be an issue no matter what you're doing. Uh, that's why all these WRBs, uh, the wraps and everything else have cap wraps so that the staple doesn't penetrate and go too far through. Um, so I know that, you know, Huber's done a good job at, at doing their testing and figuring this stuff out. Uh, their seam tapes and everything else bond very well. That acrylic base tape is probably one of the best on the market. Um, and all of these, I don't care what system you're using. I want people to know this and just remember this is they're all 
pressure release tapes. Yes. If you don't put 30 pounds of pressure on any of these tapes, you could walk away and uh, a year later pull the siding off and those all that tape will have released. You'll have bubbles or they'll have peeled right off because they just didn't have enough pressure to bond the and get an adhesion to that surface. So, so if the, you have a no. contractor out there working, installing this, and they don't have a roller in their hand, they're not doing it right. Absolutely. I mean, everybody will, I'll go out to my own job sites and they'll be, I'll, I'll be like, hey, do, where's your speed scare? Is that in your pouch? Is that what you're using? Because I don't like the sharp edge of that. You could cut and tear some tape, especially if you're on like the inside corner um, where the the two house wraps meet yep. and, you know, the siding's going to get butted to each other. Um that's a that's a troubled area. I go, where's your tuck tool? Where's your roller? Because that's the only way you're going to get that pressure. And they're like, oh, I use the palm of my mm-hmm. hand because you've told me I can get 30 pounds of pressure on the palm of my hand. I'm like, yes. And then you'll walk away from the job site with 450 slivers from the day. But you don't have to try that. I just, no, be safe. Be be smart. And you just have a roller. Take your hammer out of your pouch and put the roller in. It goes in the same holder. So explain to me, you guys, is, is it, it's all in one now with the zip, correct? So the your let's say in replace of your felt paper, you're going to have the zip system and it's actually connected to the OSB. It comes in one panel. So there's no, yeah, it's all together. So no more, no more piece of plywood or just OSB. And then you've got to wrap it and then you connect these two. So as they go up, just like you would install plywood and you tape between them. Is that what happens? Tape over the top Mm -hmm. of them. So you're going to want to get two to three inches of tape on each side of that um, seam. Um, and that way it has plenty of surface area to bond to. Um, and then uh, same thing happens as you're flashing. Think of it this way. You put the two bottom sheets on. Okay. Wherever that seam is vertically, you're going to tape that seam. Okay. Now when your next two sheets go on top of it, you're going to tape that horizontal seam because you still want the taping to be water shedding the proper direction, the upper tape okay. overlapping onto the lower gotcha. tape. Um, and then again, as, as you carry up the wall, uh, you just keep taping those seams in that pattern. Um, and as like, as long as you're rolling it, uh, by the end of that day, that, that wall that you just put up is watertight from the outside, Hmm. which is great. And then the other thing with that too, which is, it's very interesting is you have to be careful with how tight you put these sheets together when you're framing it up, you've got to give a little space in there. And I know so many people go, I'm just going to get it just super tight. That's not the answer sometimes. Eric, I was on a job site down in uh, Virginia. Uh, We were visiting with another builder and he's doing like 80 condos. And literally he's like, Walt, he goes, this, the workforce is a little tough right now. He goes, you know, everybody knows that eighth inch spacing in between these panels up to a quarter inch max, because it is still wood. It's still going to breathe. It's still going to shrink and expand. Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes, but look at the front of this building. He goes, it's super tight. Like we have no tape up yet. They come and tape afterwards. I was like, all right, I get that. You know, I don't mind having two different crews. If your framer just wants to run and gun, let them. But as long as you have someone coming back that's more waterproofing and and making sure the tape goes on properly and everything's sealed and caulking and stuff. Um, but these panels were all tight. And then when you walk to the back of the building, because it's three stories, there are two-inch strips of zip missing. Wow. And they're like, we literally just tape over the top of it because we use six inch tape instead of four. Uh, I'm like, that defeats the uh, whole purpose. Yeah. So, no so yes, there, there are tolerances <laughs> and you got to, you got to read the instructions and you got to pay attention to it because these tapes are great, but they're not that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the key too. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times that, uh, 
I was down visiting our friend David Applebaum, who shows up on the on the show a lot here and comments on social media. We were in front of his old condo, and I'm standing out there looking at this, and we're down in California, and I'm looking up going, what are they doing? They had built, Walt, these three kind of townhomes all in a row, but they had a firewall in between them, so there was a six-inch wow. gap between the buildings. They had Tyvek when they tilted the walls up, Okay. But they couldn't sight it. Mm. And they ended up sighting, but it left this huge gap in there that was a six inch gap between the buildings. It was the weirdest thing. All the windows were done incorrectly. It was not flashed right. They had actually had pre-done the house wrap around the windows and left it there. Mm -hmm. But when they came back over and started wrapping it, the flashing and everything was under the house wrap, not over it. Oh God. So any water that got through that was going to go now under the house wrap, not over yeah, to the, to the head of the window. Yeah. Yep. Underneath the flashing. And so they were directing the water inside, not outside. Yeah. I, you know, and Eric, I've seen, I've seen some gaps in my life, but uh, I only use up to like a one inch backer rod. <laughs> 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 you know, I haven't seen a six inch backer rod yet. Yeah. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. That's like just a yeah. hole. So, yeah. Yeah, but you know, yeah, in Southern now, California, they might get away with that. But up here, hmm. you know, in in a month or two, any water gets behind that, you got a you got a hot mess. But even those Southern California people, yeah. I have so many clients now; they're all having mold problems. Like my last six clients have been from Los Angeles or surrounding areas within LA County, and with massive mold really? problems in crawl spaces, basements, and attics. And like I just, and then I, and then I start talking to them, and I'm checking the relative humidity in the space. And they're running like 60% relative humidity, like right outside LA County. Oh and that's weird to me. So there has to be some kind of climate stuff going on because they typically did not have that kind of humidity there. And I know that's happening in San Francisco as well and other places. But, um, and then of course, because of the fires, they're building, you know, they have to, they're changing all the roofing and it's not contracting and expanding. They used to have the old shingled roofs that would, were wood in California yep. and you guys would expand and contract with the heat. So now they're using asphalt. And we're seeing all this moisture condensation getting, you know, happening because the attics are getting so hot and the first floors are cold with air conditioning. So everybody's got mold. doesn't matter where you're at anymore. Yeah. It all comes down to the assembly, right? And I mean, I know we're just talking WRBs, but you bring up a great point. Uh, you know, that becomes our thermal barrier. Uh, you know, you got your WRB, you have your air barrier, your weather barrier. You know, that thermal barrier is such a key component because if you can't manage the conditioned spaces and you allow any of that to, happen. to come into the unconditioned space, you're going to have issues, mm -hmm. major issues. And, you know, my opinion, is, California is fairly lax on waterproofing compared to where I'm located. You oh, know, yeah. that you can okay, still yeah. hop, tar, mop a shower pan. And, you oh, know, wow. and I, I don't see that anywhere up here. I could, I could, if I wanted to do it, I don't know who I'd call. I'd have to get a roofing company to come by to do it. So you're seeing where a lot of their stuff, their ventilation, a lot of that stuff is kind of behind the eight ball compared to other areas. And I think that's reflecting in what, Caroline, what you're dealing with. And you see a lot of slab on grade. You see water leaking through shower pans into that slab. And so now it's soaking up that water or it's showing up in another area. You know, it's, it's one of those things that that water, you could have a a, a slab on grade home and the shower pans leaking while well, it's going into the, into the pad area and it can pop up in a crack in a bedroom. And so all of a sudden you've got wet carpet 
you know, 10 feet away and it's all coming out of the shower pan, but it's showing up on a crack in the bedroom down the, down the hallway. And in California, they have all the mountain, you know, yeah. the mountain areas. So a lot of these houses are built right into the side of a mountainside. So you've got something that's under, you know, subgrade, you know, slightly subgrade because of the mountain and then yeah. the other side's outside. So you're getting those different differentials in temperature that happen from the cooler ground versus the hot air temperature. So that could be an yeah. issue too. Yeah. And how do you, how do you incorporate your WRB into that model right there? Right. So the rear of your house is built mountain. into a mountain. So it's all concrete, it's pinned. Um, and then, you know, a lot of builders will then take and put their WRB, even if it's a wrap at that point in time, uh, over the framed portion. Some of them are sealing it to the concrete, which is the rear wall, mm-hmm. uh, and then cladding or, or, you know, doing some kind of a, a siding over the top of it. Um, but how, how do you really get a good bond and adhesion to that? I mean, uh, I've seen some builders now uh, that are using fluid applied over the entire exterior of their buildings, which is also a WRB. Yeah. And it's a, an expensive one, but it's one where it bonds to concrete, to wood, um, it everything, and it just makes it one uh, continuous layer. If you answered the so, question right there, that's kind of what you'd have to do in that situation. And a lot of these do people right. don't yeah, want to spend the money. Well, that becomes the issue too. Like they're blown out of, the, out of the water at the cost of their remediation. And then they've got to do, you know, say they had their HVAC down there. So you're looking at 30,000 for a new HVAC system. And then you're looking at mold sure. remediation. And then you're looking at any, you know, let's say carpentry work you have to do. And then when you say, oh, wait, you've got to fix your moisture or thermal problem. They're like, what? I don't want to do that. They're like, what are you talking about? And it's kind of easy for the three of us to sit back and be like, wow, it's crazy that they would not spend their money on these control layers because they're the most important part of the house, whether it's the insulation, the WRB, the components that you don't get to see because if these are done right, then all of a sudden maybe that HVAC is a $20,000 system instead of a 30. That's true. Um, But the reality is like they still want their granite or Corian Mm -hmm. quartz tops. They want the things that look nice. And they want the components that just make it feel like home. Uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge we have is educating our homeowners that, you know, you got to start with good structure, good bones. We always say that when I walk so into the house, right? you know, the bones are good. And Eric and I say yep. that all the time. And, We're like, our and, houses have yep. good bones. <laughs> like, yep. yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, so, yeah. And that for me goes to pulling some of the siding off when you're we're looking for an inspection or a trim board, seeing what's underneath it. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, no question. And, you know, that's one of the things, too, that I learned a lot when you and I were on the stage down at the our friends down at SEBC, the Southeastern Building Conference mm-hmm. down there. You know, I had not worked a lot with Zip. That is something that was new to me. And they brought up, you know, in, in the seminars that things that I don't deal with out on the West Coast, you know, hurricane force winds. One of the advantages of that product is if you put that up there as Ruth sheet you know, sheathing, if you get a 120 mile an hour wind going through there and your shingles get ripped off, you still have a waterproof barrier that's going to sheet the rain off better than if it was just raw plywood or felt paper. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, because you're still using ice and water on this product afterwards, um, which is going to tie all those sheets together. Uh, But when you kind of use like a fortified system and you're nailing four inches on center and everything else, uh, which you're supposed to be on coastal and and high wind zones, like you do um, build a much stronger and better structure that's going to have an opportunity to to outlast any of those storms. Hmm. And I think that's huge just to get that water off of there. And and that could really stop a lot of the water damage and even other wind damage by just 
keeping that water to the exterior, especially during the hurricanes and those kind of storms like that. Yeah, yeah. And and Zip has a, a great product. I remember when they first came out, you know me, Eric, I love to try every product when it comes sure. out just because I want to noodle with it. I want to figure out, you know. Eric it, likes to do that too. You and Eric, that's why yeah. you're brothers because you like to tinker. <laughs> tinker with toys. Watch this. New stuff. Cool. <laughs> Exactly. Let's tear it apart, you know, because we want to break it down and see if we can make it fail. Yeah. And then let's let's figure out how it works really well. And um, I remember the first few runs I did with it and I, I just struggled with the zip. Yeah. Um, and they had they had in the very beginning a couple of failures where, you know, um, it bleeded back or it bubbled up. Um, so I just started putting house wrap over the top of it because honestly, on a cold uh, condition or windy conditions, uh, the zip would at least make everything watertight. Mm -hmm. And then when I had time, I could come back over it with a house wrap and everybody laughed at me because I know it was an extra day's worth of work and maybe $500 worth of product. But I then had two WRBs that worked fine with each other because there was airflow and everything else between them. And it was just better all, all over and it didn't slow down any of my production while I was out there working. Smart, smart. And and, and, and that's not, and that's and then I guess the nice thing here, let's spit it out. With that is that you don't have like two layers of plastic out there or something. You have a breathable surface on there that is going to let any trapped moisture leave the building and not let it inside. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and these. I oh, want your opinion because I want you guys to try to convince me. Uh, Eric knows this. I am still a plywood and Eric will argue with me and, and I do agree with him that plywood has become more glues and resins than it used to be probably less breathable than mm -hmm. it used to be because we used to use plywood because it did have breathability as far as moisture, right? When we're talking about moisture can go Absolutely. in and out. It can, I, I like to explain it like as moisture comes into wood, wood can take on some moisture. And then when it dries out, it releases it back out. Think of it like a tree, right? A tree doesn't get all moldy and nasty. It takes on the wood and the wood gets moisture and then it lets it back out and the tree stands and it's fine. With OSB, the problem has always been that that moisture does not permeate OSB as well. And we've done many studies on it that show that it prevents the moisture from traveling through. My problem with the zip system is that it does contain OSB. I thought there was an option to choose plywood as your backer, but I don't think that that's true, right? I think it's all OSB. So yep. for someone like it's me, OSB, who's yes. not a big OSB enthusiast, one convinced me that OSB should be something that I'll look at and two, what, you know, what's your take on it? I mean, if you were going to build, would you still build with say CDX or would you build with an OSB zip system? So, um, I'm going on year 29 of building for myself, yeah. uh, started this right out of high school. Um, so when you start out of high school, you walk the road of hard knocks and you make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, one of the things that I've did for the first 20 years is I only used, um, fur plywood. I oh, mean, nice. I was up to a few years ago that was still five, eight fur ply. <laughs> Um, and it had to be a five ply, yep. uh, on my roofs. Um, and I will tell everybody, you know, if you walk on a 24 inch on center trust roof system and you have half inch plywood, um, my non tiny little structure bounces and moves way too much for me to feel comfortable. Amen. Um, and five H just doesn't move. Um, I have found that I've gone to 16 inch on center for most of my roof framing, um, and have backed away because adding two or three trusses was less expensive uh, to get down to the half-inch sheathing. Um, and the caveat for me, Caroline, was that I took a piece of zip, uh, their roof sheathing, which is the mm -hmm. red, red. Um, uh, board, and I put it out in my backyard uh, for a year, exposed, and I just let nice. it sit there. 
So New England, yes. it snowed on it and rained on it. Four seasons. Uh, the backside of it was all black and nasty. By the time we were said and done, it had grayed and everything else. Uh, but that top layer still looked good. Um, so I then cut it and, and messed with it. And I tried to apply tape to it and the tape still stuck to, stuck to it. And I was like, you know what? I think that's a, a reasonable product now. And I'd be willing to put it on my own house. Um, so I did it on a couple small product projects and, uh, I just found that again, new England, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we have the four seasons that change. So we don't like changing anything else <laughs> in our repertoire, <laughs> uh, especially the way we build. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it, it proved uh, that over time that it was it was a good product, and uh, I do use it nice. now. Um, not on every project; it all depends on if it's available, who has it in stock. Yep. Uh, but if I know if I'm going to be in wet conditions or I need to watertight that ASAP, um, that the zip system is going to get the the nod for it. And one thing too, Caroline, I have done some tests as well, where I took, you know, a twelve by twelve piece of OSB and a twelve by twelve piece of CDX, and soak it in water. And in my experience recently, I've seen the plywood delaminate the exterior layer before the OSB comes apart. Yeah, he's told me that so before, it, which is interesting. Yeah. And so I've even heard talking to some lumber people that they actually have the same glues in the OSB as they're using in the plywood. It's the same glue. And so it's just differently used. You have a sheet of veneer versus the oriented strands of OSB. But you Mm -hmm. still have wood products between them. The OSB does traditionally have more glue in it because it's, you know, you're holding little Mm -hmm. pieces together, but uh, it's not that much more glue. Yeah, our our interesting take on it is that the permeability of it with the moisture going through has a much harder challenge. Like, so we see a lot of the houses not being able to pass moisture vapor and get rid of that vapor inside the house, which becomes a problem with this energy efficiency that I have to deal with. Like, okay, you guys shower in the house, you cook in the house, you breathe in the house, humidity gets in. What do I do with it? Cause I can't have it stuck in there. Otherwise everything starts to condensate and I get all kinds of, you know, water dripping from your registers and your HVAC and that good stuff. So I'm always interested to see what you guys as builders think. I think, um, I think one of the things, Eric, I'll just jump in real quick on that. I think one of the things that I find and, and we do more and more of is because most of the houses or structures that we're building have less than one air exchange That's per right. hour, um, which means we're building a very tight house um, so that it should be controllable. But you're bringing in mechanicals uh, to condition and move that moisture uh, to where it belongs to the outside of the building. But uh, again, with any piece of mechanical that you add, there has to become a piece of knowledge that we pass along to our homeowners so they know when something's going wrong, what to exactly. look for, not just, hey, did the red light <laughs> did the red light shine on the machine? Because that means it's not working. Yeah. Uh, because you don't really hear no. it running. So you got to know what to look for um, as you're using certain things like your stoves and your ovens and everything else. So 100%. you're seeing this more and more where they're requiring a version of ice and water shield on the entire roof. It's not going to breathe at all when you put that on there. So whether or not the OSB breathes or the plywood breathes doesn't really matter because it's not coming out through the surface of that. There's no place for it to go when you're putting that level of waterproofing on the outside of it. Is that good? That sounds terrible. It sounds like we shouldn't do that. If, if we don't manage that attic temperature and everything else, you're right. It's terrible because, you know, um, I think as long as ridge vents and soffit vents are still used properly, um, you're, you're still ice and watering over that entire sheathing. I've, I've done full ice and water uh, on homes for years. 
um, all I'm doing is protecting the entire sheathing, but at the top, I'm still cutting a ridge vent. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a, a roofing company come in and the roofer or the framer dried in the roof. He ice and watered uh. the whole thing because it's easy enough to have your lumber yard ship you the ice and water. So to make the builder happy, happy, he's sheathed it, and then they've gone through and ice and watered the whole thing. And the roofer forgets to cut the ridge vent. They throw it on top because everything's already black, yep. but they never mm. cut the ridge vent. And then the underside of that sheathing within a year is black and moldy. Yep. I had to do that. Sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Right. But yeah, and and. I think Florida building code says that you have to, you know, have that up there just for protection with wind. Yes. Yeah, they do. Uh, the Miami did code and everything else. Uh, we just saw that at SCBC. That was one of the big things that they're, they're moving towards and uh, that uh, counties are Eric, dealing with. David Applebaum has had to put in in California because of this, this tightness going on in the attic space. They kind of look, they're dormers, I guess, right? And they or they're, they, they look like graves, if you will, like a grave, a tombstone. Mm -hmm. And he's putting like 15 of them on the roofs in conjunction with having your roof vent and your vents going out on the side. So he, they have to put extra in to ventilate these attics because if they don't, they're getting too much condensation and like differential in temperature. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm sure there's a building science and, and, and testing that's been done on that, you know, and here back in the, the Northwest and or Northeast and even where you are, Eric, I'm sure roof scoops and everything mm -hmm. else were used where if so, so many square feet of roof space, uh, a vent would have to go into the roof. Um, but in California and the fires and everything else, uh, I would probably have minimal amount of penetrations and I would definitely have some kind of a system to manage that uh, ventilation system that's that's in uh, the attic space instead. That would have to have dampers on. Yeah, they have. I mean, that's what they, David's been doing because, like I said, they used asphalt roofs now uh, instead of the expandable. You know, they used to use the shingles that would breathe and open up for the, you know, with wood. But because of fire code, they can't yeah. use those anymore. So they went with the asphalt. And when they did, the heat, I guess, is getting trapped in. Yeah. And then with the the air conditioned top floor. So everybody's got their air conditioning on because it's 100 degrees in Southern California. It's sweating. You're getting all this water that's sweating off the ducts and the vents in the attic space, and they all See, have if it, mold. Yeah. If it was yep. me, I would put the right so. amount in. If I was in Southern California, I'd put the right amount of roof vents in, fire or not, and then I'd just make sure that everything down below was covered in rock wool. So if I did get any embers and stuff blowing in, it's landing on the rock wool, and I know that's yes. not going to take off and, and become a problem. So if I did get some sparks that Came in up and around through a roof vent hmm. that That's a good idea. landed on the rock wall. And guess what? I know it's not going to burn there. And it takes a lot to get in and get into where it's going to light the roof framing on fire. That's, that's a big ask at that point. That's a great point, Eric. And I, I think, you know, yeah, that's a good, a I think good idea. If, if and when Rockwell comes in with a blown in insulation uh, method, uh, that that will really be able to take off and, and run. Uh, but even if they did some kind of a, a spray foam to seal um, that ceiling and then put rock wool over the top yep. of it uh, to protect it, you could probably get enough R value where that uh, condensation and everything else doesn't occur. Too many of this duct work and everything else isn't in conditioned spaces. So, like, right. I, add, I exactly. add a foot to all my ceiling heights on the second floor just so I can run duct work in it and then seal it off from the attic. Um Raised heel trusses. You, I mean, I'm getting a truss already. I'm not stick framing it. They can build that right into that truss package. And then all the mechanicals will run right through it. And we don't have any issues with that. So there's definitely some ways around yeah, it. But, uh, Eric, I love the thought of that rock wall. That's, that's brilliant. That's just an idea. What is so, rock wall, Eric? What is it actually made well, out of? But it's a mineral wool. So basically, it's a spun mineral. Think of mm. 
almost like cotton candy, right? They take it mm-hmm. and spin it out. And so it's a mineral, but it feels like a regular insulation board or insulation bat to some extent. You know, you want to use gloves and you cut it with their rock wool knife or one of those insulation board knives, but uh, it goes in really easy. I've got half my garage done with it just because one, it does so awesome with sound and with moisture and fire, it just outperforms everything else. And that would just substitute in for your fiberglass. Yep. You would just use that instead of using exactly. a fiberglass yep. insulation, which is nasty. And I messy. actually incorporated it on, on all the exteriors of our building so that I get a, a two inch um, comfort board uh, from Rockwell on the outside of my building so that I push the dew point to the exterior of my sheathing. So that way I control mother nature mm-hmm. and, and anything she's going to bring at me goes to the outside, tying it back into our WRB mm-hmm. where all that moisture should be to begin with. And then all I have to manage is, uh, you know, the moisture that's coming off of the residents uh, that are living inside the house. Yeah. I also use it. I also use an interiors around every bathroom. I've always insulated around bathrooms Mm -hmm. with that because that stuff is such an amazing sound barrier. I love putting around bathrooms and even between bedrooms in, in more custom homes just to keep things quiet. Not so much. And well, you've also filled a, a stud bay with a, a fireproof, product as well. So it doesn't hurt in that aspect. Absolutely. It's, it's a great product all around. I mean, fire, insect proof, uh, water drainability and uh, soundproofing. Um, I live right by an airport. Is it less itchy too? Like when you work with it, like, you know, ins- I, I can't stand working with insulation because it constantly itches me and it. Is it less it's, itchy? It's, well, no, it still itches, um, but, you know, it's not quite as bad uh, depending on who you are. Like, I work with it throughout the day. No problem. My brother touches it and, you know, he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill you for making me work with this stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's just how your your skin reacts to it. Uh, but I wear We're gloves. Sensitive. I have to wear fine. gloves to use it. it yeah. It'll tear my hands up. So other okay. than that, yeah. it's fine. But think of it as made by volcanic rock you know and it's just heated up and then and broken down and spun yeah that's wild it's cool stuff well walt i wanted to talk about one other thing that fits into this that's really important i think is one of the most unknown things to most homeowners and even diyers and and some remodelers out there rain screens yes you know we can talk about wrbs but Let's talk about what a rain screen is so people understand where you use that and what you'd use it for. Absolutely. So um, I'm going to have my exterior sheathing, whether it's a zip or um, a plywood on the house. I'm going to then put my WRB on it, uh, or if I'm using zip, it's already built in. Uh, I'm going to install those properly. But now uh, in my neck of the woods, I'm going to put at least a three-eighths rain screen which can be a dimple mat is what uh, Benjamin Obdykes first started with and came out with. They called it Cedar Breather for roofs. Um, great product. Uh, still one of the top of the line products that's out there. Um, or, you know, um, you can use some core vent. You can use a, a variety of different ways to create this airflow. And what it does is it allows air uh, and moisture that's trapped that comes out of the house and through that WRB, a drainage plane to get down to the ground and out of the building. Uh, one of the other things it does, especially if you're using any kind of a wood product, if you're using cedar clapboard or anything on the outside of your house, 
think of it, a lot of times this stuff goes up primed or, or bare and then gets painted. So that means it's only breathing to one side. That's the inside uh, of the house. And if it's nailed directly to the wall, it has no place for that moisture to go. Yep. So that's why you see paint bubble and everything else, uh, because it's trying to push out and the paint has now sealed it uh, tight and into the wood. So if you give it that gap, um, and again, 3 eighths was always kind of the, the go-to number, um, depending on how much rain you get in your climate zone and everything else. I've seen it all the way up to three quarters of an inch. Um, there are scientists out there that will tell you you need more than that. I've never ran into it, but um, the reality is you can get it all the way down to an eighth of an inch now. So there's a lot of wraps. Hydrogap um, is one of them that's out there, but it, basically these dimpled um, drain wraps um, uh, from like Tyvek and, and DuPont um, that just allow that moisture a place and a channel to run out from behind the siding, but in front of the sheathing. So we incorporate them into every single build we do because they are another control layer that's just as important as the WRB. So that's just direct. That's the freeway for the moisture that's coming from the building and or through the exterior material that is your finished material. You're giving it a place to drop down and head down mm -hmm. towards the bottom because it wants to leave and exit the building, shall we say. That's exactly correct. Yeah. I always pictured it like a gap wall. Like I remember when they, you know, back in when I did green building in architecture school, they, they, it was like a plane yes. and it almost looks like a gapping that's in between, you know, like you, just for layman, right. It was like this gap uh, that was there. Caroline, you could use some three quarter inch furring strips yeah. and just nail it right yeah, on top. Or strips, or you, exactly. you could use some half inch plywood or whatever um, and put it right on top of your sheathing or your WRB. Um, and yes, that would create that channel. And that's exactly what it's for. It's just a, a so that uh, air can flow through it and moisture can be released. What I do like with the rain screen technology you see out there now, though, where it's kind of some of those woven fabrics that almost look like your Brillo pad and, and some of that. Yes. What I like about that is it doesn't give a place for spiders, pests, and stuff to go hang out easily. Yes. So if you have a three-quarter inch gap oh, yeah. and you get a hole someplace, right. technically that could be your next next wasp nest that could be your next beehive Lost. <laughs> having a material in there that kind of keeps that from habit having happening is not a bad idea no not at all i mean and there's there's like i said there's two products that i know on the market that do a really good job on that and that's the benjamin obdike and the, and the dupont products uh and those come is it like wavy i so haven't seen it, it eric what does it look like uh, um, i have any here i don't wave? but it's a it, it kind of looks a little bit like swiss cheese on the backside, yep. and then it's got a uh, a layer that almost looks like a wrb on the front of it and it's glued together mm -hmm. um and these okay. dimples are like one inch circles that are abutting in honeycomb form yeah so that when you put it down wherever mm -hmm. you nail okay. it um, it doesn't sink in enough to, to stop that channel or that airflow uh, to be there. Um, you can put it up with like a stinger, uh, two-inch cap fasteners and staples. Think of the top of um, a Lego, right? Think of a top of a Lego where you got the yeah, little yeah, dimples. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's like kind of what this what is as far as the yeah, texture. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. So, Eric, one thing I think uh, I'd like to just throw out there is, you know, you were talking about, you know, what your homeowner's, you know, should think about as far as WRBs or or how do you know they're using a good one um, when they're talking to the contractor? Um, I just kind of have my my five go tos that I'll figure I'd just throw out to you guys. Uh, yeah. You can use them if you want or you research them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you have your Tyvek of the world. They created house wrap. Uh, they're still uh, probably one of the best on the market. Uh, Tipar uh, is a phenomenal product as well. 
Um, you then move into uh, your fully adhered uh, blue skin, Henry blue skin. Um, you got your zip panels uh, fully integrated with just uh, a tape. And then Siga. Siga is uh, a Swiss company that uh, doesn't do a ton of marketing over here, but anybody that's like a passive house builder or building to a high performance is using a, a Siga product and uh, also just phenomenal. So if you as a listener hear any of those five products brought up by your builder, um, that builder probably knows what they're doing. And, and it's worth the, the, the you're going to get a nice education because they've chosen a product because they trust it uh, and they like the system. And they probably have the relationship to be able to get the product, which is half the battle, right? <laughs> Correct. I mean, I see this all the time and I can't tell you how many times I'm driving around and I see, you know, for instance, I'll see product A up there because I'm not going to name names because it's not fair. But all of a sudden I see product B tape on it or product C tape uh. on it. And it's just because or I'll see even worse where I'll have the product A is the house wrap. The tape is product B and product C is the flexible flashing around the windows. That's because that's what, that's what they, they could get, get, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which one is? So is it bad, Walt, like to mix? Like, should people not be doing that? Is that, I uh, mean, is that not okay? Uh, unfortunately, some of these products do work out all right together. Uh, when you have an acrylic tape with an acrylic um, product uh, or a product that it uh, accepts acrylic, then yes. But, you know, you have bitumen-based products, you have butyl-based mm -hmm. products, you have acrylic-based products, and two, three of those, you know, don't work well together. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, it may feel like they sealed up as you're installing it, and you're like, hey, this is great, but the minute you turn your back, I mean, you know, you're going to cover that up with some siding, and then it's going to fail. So, no. And then some of them will eat away at the others, uh, the coatings that are on them. Uh, and don't mix and match. Yeah, even worse, if you have track. some kind of warranty claim, you have just now given them the most basic excuse yeah. to not cover that warranty is, oh, you use that tape. Oh, you use yeah. that flexible flashing. <laughs> as soon as you get that rollout, just remember that that warranty is what just left the building. 100% correct, Eric. I mean, every builder is like, well, if I use the whole system, then you get the warranty from the manufacturer. And the problem is if you're a builder out there doing it, now you've assumed that warranty personally with your company because now you don't have a manufacturer standing behind you. So within that period, we see all the apartment complexes, condo units, houses and neighborhoods where they're in their reciting them you don't want that coming out of your insurance definitely not i did not my insurance my insurance company doesn't want to hear that at all and i, I want my rates to stay low so yes <laughs> i follow the prescribed method <laughs> amen amen well walt what else have we missed about this i mean we talked about we didn't really talk too much about flexible flashing even though that's kind of part of the process we talked about it last time but i think it's probably still worth mentioning at least around the windows and doors, how people are finishing off these WRBs so they understand the, the whole process. Yeah, I think uh, windows are one of those tricky areas like inside corners on the siding where, you know, tapes, standard tapes and everything else, if you just push them in on, uh, on the flat and everything else, they'll create a cove almost like an air gap. And then when you go to slide that window in or, or the cider gets there to, to, to push a siding type, 
uh, tight, you know, it doesn't push, it doesn't sit flush. So then the knife comes out and that gets cut. And now all that tape, all that money was just spent is gone literally right out the window. Um, so they make flex wrap, they make the stretch wraps, they make all these new products uh, that even though they stretch to twice their size, they have 100% water sealability and integrity, um, which allows us to apply the pressure where we need to, to get it tucked in nice and tight and then wrap right around from that jam of the interior of that window opening to the outside and get it over the top on the bottom of our window of the WRB and then tuck on the sides and above it of uh, the WRB over the top of that flashing uh, so it, it watersheds properly. Um, but really, it allows us to not have to use fasteners uh, so we don't have any penetrations. Um, and then most of these products are self-sealing so that when the window screws and everything else go through them, they seal the, the fastener uh, to the tapes, which is key so that we're not having any issues uh, with moisture penetrating into that frame. So don't be afraid of these flex wraps. I will tell you that the first couple times you use them, cut a, cut a one foot strip off and do a corner with just one foot. So it's going six inches up the jam and six inches on the sill and then cut a piece of straight flashing to fit in between and over the top of that. Um, because if you mess up a one foot piece that costs, I don't know, maybe four or $5 a linear foot, mm -hmm. you're not as mad <laughs> as when you, you peel off four feet and realize you just wasted $30 and you're scratching your head going, man, I don't ever want to do this yeah. again. See, I'm excessive. I use that stuff when I put fence posts into my yard. I wrap the whole bottom of the, the post before I put the pressure treated post in just to keep the water out of it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the freeze thaws, I mean, all those pressure treated posts, they say that they're warranted uh, except for a ground contact, right? So you're doing a great job. That's a great thing to think about and just seal these so that they last as long as that wood should. Exactly. And that way I'm not fixing it later. Well, thanks for coming on today, brother. This has been a great education for mm, thanks, everyone. Well. And uh, such a smarty pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's recorded He's because I want to play that back for my smarty. kids. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, well. <laughs> well, your kids will never think you're smart, no. Walt. That's a Walt, given. I'll cut that and send it in your email box for you. That way it's sitting there. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I appreciate that, my friend. <laughs> that way it'll be uh, the ringtone for when Caroline calls you. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Help me, help me. I love Thanks it. Thanks for coming oh on, gosh. brother. Well, Always guys. good, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Take care. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the House. Life is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.